Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and more. Welcome to the NBA podcast. As you can hear, I'm not Brian Toporek because he's in Argentina having the time of his life while I'm sitting here recording a podcast. Life isn't fair. Thankfully, though, I'm joined by my old time friend, Mark Karensoulis. Mark, how are you, man? Good, boy. I'm not in Argentina, but I kind of wish I was now knowing where, where Brian is. That's pretty awesome. He's having steak every night, I think, and he's probably just thinking, ha, I don't have to do anything other than... And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Just enjoy life, and I hate him for it, and I'm not going to welcome him back when he's going to come back. So, no. Nah, fair enough. At least he's escaping Twitter and not seeing all these uh, Mark Elfels, you know, free throw attempts that look completely ridiculous. Oh, no, he has Wi-Fi, so a little bit of pain oh, okay. his way. <laughs> And I, it's okay, okay, because then he, he can feel it, and just a little bit of pain while he's eating his goddamn steaks. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, good. So, so Mark, before we start, we're going to have to talk about the polls, obviously. Um, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, you can get me at MKHoops on Twitter, and um, yeah, as Morton, Morton sort of alluded to there, I, I pretty much only talk about the Bulls on Twitter. I talk NBA as well, but I, I cover or I follow this team, and have a Bulls podcast and a Bulls blog, so I'm very, very focused on this team. You are allowed to say what the name of that podcast is, Mark. That's a good point. The, <laughs> the podcast is called Bulls HQ as well as the blog, so um, if you're interested in the Bulls, follow along. And MK Hoops, that's a nice handle. It is. I came up with it myself. Yeah, apparently you did. Thank you. Yeah. No help <laughs> whatsoever, huh? Yeah. None. None from anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's get right into it um the bulls obviously are 
a little bit better than what people assumed. Uh, our two, ourselves included, we thought that them winning 17 games would probably be in in late March, early April even. And now here we are, January 19th, 17 and 28. So, Mark, what should they do here? I mean, should they just stick with the, the whole winning thing or should they look at the draft instead and go that route? Like, it seems like they've sort of painted themselves into a corner or at least put themselves into a situation where they have to make a, a big call. So what should that call be? Well, for me, I'm still team tank. So, and I will be probably until the trade deadline. I think the trade deadline, so there's probably about seven or eight games to go before the deadline passes itself. But that deadline and what they do will effectively determine how they'll perform for the remainder of the season. Now, I'm on team tank, so that means trading Miritich and looking at dealing guys like Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday, and they've even put uh, Jerry and Grant on the trade block, which probably doesn't really change the tanking scenario. But uh, I guess they're looking to be active at the deadline, but being active and actually moving players is a different a different story. So uh, I'm of the opinion that they should be trying to maximize their draft pick mm-hmm. For 2018, I think that's their best long-term decision, but it's it's kind of hard to say what they're going to do because they've been two entirely different teams. So they started the season three and twenty, or three and twenty-three rather, and then Nikola Mirotic pretty much came back, and the team's been I think fourteen and eight since his return, or at least since December one, they've been fourteen and eleven. So they're an above five hundred team for a good chunk of this season now for you know, over half of this season, and they're playing like a playoff team for the last 25 games. So they've been a conflicting team to follow because there's been two identities, and it's really hinged on a lot on Nicole Miritich as well as David Nwaba, and, and their their impact on the rotation has been profound. profound excuse me. So I don't know what this team's going to do. I think they want to make deals, but I don't think they're going to make deals just for the sake of it. I think you are entirely correct. I think they are going to be active on the market, but I also think they kind of enjoy the the youth movement that they've gone, the successful youth movement, I should add. And we know guardbacks, when they are hitting a stride, they seem to ride it a little bit. And the chase for eight seed, not necessarily this year, but in years past, has always been a point of emphasis for them. It's been pretty much playoff robust. Um, if the team actually goes in a totally un. un- um, unexpected route and becomes buyers at the deadline. How would you react to that? Uh, I would be pretty disappointed if they became buyers. Like, I guess it depends on what they're buying. Like, if if they're buying for draft picks, then that would be good. But that's probably <laughs> not going to happen. But uh, I mean, if they're buying players to sort of make the team better right. in a, in a in an attempt to push towards the playoffs, then that would be kind of disappointing. I guess depending on who that player is, because I'm assuming that player probably isn't going to be a highly valuable player, given that the Bulls don't really have much to send back. So. Uh, it wouldn't really make sense for me that, for them to be buyers at the deadline. They really are set up to be sellers. They're one of those teams that will have cap space. Now, I'm, I'm not sure what they plan on doing with that cap space, whether they want to go after a big name like a Paul George or a DeMarcus Cousins or, or dare I say, LeBron James, but or, or, or whether they want to eat, eat some bad salary with that cap space and take on some contracts for draft picks. So I think that is probably the more the wiser and, and a better strategic option than rather than chasing free agents. But 
I would be very, very surprised if they were buyers at the deadline. So you just mentioned a name that I was going to mention to you, and I'm okay. really glad that you brought it up. And it was to Marcus Cousins. And I was actually going to wait a little bit until enter free agency talk, but the Bulls could realistically be a player for him um, during July. If they signed to Marcus, I would personally feel it was a bit weird of a timing, considering he would be best suited as like Jimmy Butler's teammate, given the the similarity in age. But would he be able to be this type of leader for a younger team with him being at that point in time, like 28? I would say no. I mean, there is like zero evidence that DeMarcus Cousin has been that player ever. And to put him in Chicago on a max deal... I guess during his prime, but you probably won't get all that. The, like mm. if you have to give a four-year contract, will all of that four years be prime? I'm not sure, but even you know, excluding the production side of things, and if you just think about Demarcus Cousins as a leader, and you think about the infrastructure that the Bulls have and the the issues they've had in the locker room with Fred Hoiberg managing personalities and 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 Demarcus Cousins obviously being a very tough guy to sort of get along with or and then the way he impacts your locker room I would not want him to be in Chicago I guess setting the example for for young players like Chris Dunn, Larry Markin and and even Zach Levine I still like I still picture Demarcus Cousins sort of pouting on the offensive end after getting a no call and then not running back on defense and, and the Bulls defense is already bad enough and I don't need him being in Chicago I guess setting that precedent for the rest of the young guys I understand obviously Demarcus Cousins is a, an extremely good player he's, he's an all-star now again and you know he, he deserves to be and he's a really good player but I don't think this is the right team for the right time for a player like Demarcus Cousins so let's jump a little bit ahead to free agency and talk about what the Bulls should be looking for. Let's assume for a second they go the tank route as you want mm-hmm. them to, and I think the vast majority of Bulls fans actually want them to. And somehow they rid themselves of uh, veterans that are contributing strongly to, to this uh, winning scenario here. I mean, Justin Holiday, Robin Lopez, Nikola Miracic, let's just for argument's sake say all three guys are gone at the trade deadline, the Bulls get virtually nothing in return outside of some protected draft picks and whatever. Just they, they just clear them out to be bad. And they get a top five pick. Don't know where it lands, but a top five pick, so they're gonna get a difference maker there. What do you do when you enter free agency though? Like because usually free agency is where you get the veterans and the young guys, the young veterans, the restricted free agents are mostly unattainable unless you really cap them out. So what's the plan here? Yeah, I mean, the plan in free agency, like in, in the scenario that you've posed at least, I think is completely dependent on the draft. So the draft will obviously be a week before free agency. And depending on who the Bulls sign at that point, or, or draft rather, I think that almost will have to determine how you approach free agency. So to me, I think the the draft needs to be about best player available. Mm not necessarily fit whereas free agency i think you can start thinking about fit more so agreed so what i mean about uh, by that is if the bulls were in the top five let's say it's the fifth pick that fifth pick is most likely going to be someone like michael porter jr uh, mo bamba or maybe even jaron jackson jr someone right. like that so let's assume they take jaron jackson jr a, a big man and they've already got larry marketing if that's the case, and, and and someone like Felicio is still on the on the roster, and, and Bobby Portis as well, 
and let's just assume they've moved, moved on from Robin Lopez and, and Nikola Mirotic. You've still got four bigs there, four young big men that need probably 20 minutes each. Now, in that case, you're not going to go chasing someone like Demarcus Cousins or a Clint Capella or or whoever you know those those free agent power forwards and center names are. So, to me, you almost need to approach free agency based on what you do in the draft. Now, if they take a wing in the draft, they're going to need a center. If they've moved on from Robin Lopez, so then maybe you can start thinking about a guy like a Clint Capella at that point. But I think it's completely dependent on what they do in the draft, and I think until they've answered that question, it's kind of hard to know what mm. they should be doing in free agency, given that this team still has, obviously, quite a few holes in it. See, I was under the impression that this rebuilding process was going to be significantly longer, and given how mm-hmm. impressive uh, most of the young guys in Chicago have looked, it seems like this rebuilding process is going to at least be two years shorter than anticipated. Um, but when I looked at that team, I was thinking, you know what, during free agency, you could just take on a bad contract and maybe get the team to attach a pick, like just be that team who just accepts some bad deals because they weren't going anywhere for a couple of years. But I think that option now is off the table, given, you know, when you look at the roster, when you look at the success rate that they've had, Zach Levine, who's going to be re-upping as well, assumingly. And Chris Dunn, who looks to be a hell of a player, honestly, marketing and coming in, firing her up straight away. It just seems to me that the whole idea that a lot of Bulls fans had um, in regards to, oh, we can take like a uh, Bismack Biombo off of Orlando's books for a protected pick or whatever. It seems to me that that thinking is just going to completely die out now, given the, the recent surge. I don't know if you agree with me on that one, though. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure if I do agree with you because there's been mixed reporting. I mean, Mm. the Bulls are a team that obviously enjoy being in the playoffs and all the revenue that comes with that. But at the same time, I think, you know, reading or hearing what John Paxson has said and and whilst he's appreciative of this winning and and the fact that, you know, a a young winning team builds a winning culture, at the same time, I still get the sense from Paxton that he still has the eye on the prize, which is a a top draft pick. Now, as I said before, they're not going to necessarily make deals just for the sake of it. They're not going to trade Nikola Mirotic for uh, a a very bad late first-round pick or even an early second just for the sake of improving their pick. And and I think that's responsible. You shouldn't be dealing a player like Mirotic just for the sake of doing so. They can still obviously hold on to him for next season or they could look to deal him in the off-season. I think they're they're taking the smart approach there by at least wanting some value with Miritic, but I'm not necessarily convinced at this point that they've put to bed the idea of taking on a bad contract to get a another pick, whether it's a pick in 2018 or, or a, a future pick of sorts. So I'm not I'm not 100% sure, and I guess the reason for that is that there has been mixed reports around that, and the Bulls themselves are typically a pretty cagey team, and don't necessarily let their full cards out and you don't necessarily know everything they're going to be doing. But I wouldn't be surprised still if they were to take on a bad contract, whether that's in a separate deal itself or in a deal involving Meritage. I think they could still do that if the reward for doing so, being a draft pick or a young player, made sense to do so. I kind of like the idea of adding another pick for this year. Uh, I mentioned that when I was in a guest a guest on your podcast recently. Um, and that was when the Bulls were just horrendous. This draft is the year where you should get 
a second pick if you can get it. Like this, this is such a top-heavy draft when it comes to like talent. So if you can get another lottery pick or at least top sixteen in that regard, in that area, you should do it. If it not like <laughs> you shouldn't trade the farm to do it, but if a deal comes up where you have to slightly overpay for it, I would probably be willing to do it because it would just make sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Detroit is one of those teams that have been rumored to be uh, interested in Nikola Mirotic, and, and they've just slid in out of, of the uh, the top eight there in the East, I believe. I think they're in ninth, and they've one game above five hundred, so they've got the fourteenth pick um, per tankathon. If that was, if you know, if the draft was to be held today, and assuming yeah. there would be no movement, so. If for whatever reason Detroit came calling at the deadline and said, "All right, look, we'll give you John Lua and our first round pick, which is currently, you know, fourteenth, we'll give you that for Miritich and maybe maybe a second rounder or whatever the deal might be." Right. Um, I think that would be a move that you would trade Miritich for because, you know, it's currently that that pick there is currently slotted at fourteen. Maybe it moves up a bit when Miritich goes to Detroit if he helps them improve. Maybe it finishes somewhere in the eighteen to nineteen range. Let's say, so I would still be happy with that. But you know, if a team like Toronto or San Antonio who have you know like the twenty sixth or twenty seventh pick in the draft, they offer Miritich and a contract. Uh, sorry, uh, that that pick and a contract for Miritich. Mm. That's probably something I'm not necessarily interested in. So, yeah, look, I think it really depends on the team that will come calling um, for, for, for those sorts of picks. And, uh, yeah, even, even for, like, a, a team offering a bad contract and their pick as well, I don't necessarily see that happening. I don't know how many of, of those sort of scenarios exist out there at the moment. I thought there was going to be more of that in the off season. I thought, yeah, okay, the Bulls should be prime here to take on a bad contract of from uh, from another team and, and, and get a pick. So you mentioned uh, Biombo before, but I don't even know if like a team like Orlando would want to do that because they probably want to keep their picks in in um, in the future as well. And you know, are they a team that are looking to get into or to open up cap space? Pr- probably not. So I think teams are being very conservative at the moment. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and more, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome to Total Wine and more. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and more, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. So, talking about Meritage... Would mm-hmm. you prefer that he st- stuck with the Bulls this year and you moved Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday instead? Like, if you had the choice of removing two of those three, is Mirchis the one who's who's left standing alive? So, so my answer to that question is completely based on the value of of what you can get right, in return. Right. 
So my assumption would be that Miritich is going to you to net you the most from mm. an opposing team. So working under that assumption, I would be dealing him. Yeah. And even though he is the best player, he he's the one that's still primed to go. And I think that makes sense. Like even though the combination of Lowry, Marketing and, and Nikola Miritich has this super stretch front court is really tantalizing. I guess I've liked what I've I've seen from it, even though the numbers don't necessarily bear out a fruitful combination just yet. It's a small sample, but at the same time, it hasn't been an effective lineup. I don't think that's a combination that you can sort of just run with for for 30 minutes a game or or 20 minutes a game even. I think they both play the same position. They're both power forwards. And and as Lowry Lowry Marketing continues to grow and you continue to run the offense through him, give him more minutes, all these sorts of things, at some point there's going to be a bit of an opportunity cost with having both Miritich and Markkinen on the roster, two power forwards that deserve, you know, 33 minutes a game. Mm. So it still makes sense to me to move Miritich. And given that the Bulls haven't really invested in him, in him long-term, they've only got him on a, well, potentially a, a deal that lasts this season, but they can um, they have a team option for next. I don't get the sense from the Bulls either that they, they're committed to, to Miritich long-term either. So here's the guy I would be dealing for those reasons as well as the value. And then I guess I would look to deal one of Holiday or Lopez, whichever one can get you more value. It'd probably be Justin Holiday, given his deal is a lot, uh, a lot smaller than, than Lopez, and he plays he plays a wing and he can shoot three. So I think he could help a contender of sorts. So they're the two guys I would probably look to move. So you are all aboard the trade value. Um, perspective instead. It's not so much about the players you want to maintain of the veterans. It's about who can get you the most because you're in asset building mode. Uh, yeah, that, that's personally where I sit. And yeah. I don't think Miritich is part of the next Bulls team and or next good Bulls team. And I know he's not old. He's, he's currently, I think, 26 or, or so. Is he 27? I can't remember. But he, he's, he's that's obviously not old. But uh, He's turning you know, by uh, the time. 27 in February. Okay, so 27 is not old, but the time, Larry Markkinen's 20. Yeah. Zach Levine is 22. Chris Dunn's a little bit older. He'll be 24 soon. So, But the, by the time those guys are entering their prime, Miritich will be, you know, 29, 30, yeah, somewhere he, He'll be there. in the middle of his prime, so, and probably... Correct. Uh, yeah, a, a couple of years away from, from slightly declining. Correct. And he, he does have a game that, I guess, lends itself to... I guess negating some of that decline because his game isn't necessarily based purely on athleticism. But at the mm. same time, is he going to be a heavy contributor when he's 30 years old? I, I, I'm not sure. And even even thinking about that beyond that point, are the Bulls even going to sign Miritich to his next contract? If Miritich were here on a four-year deal, if the Bulls had signed him to a four-year deal in the off-season, maybe that changes the discussion. But he's potentially only mm. here. He's, he's, he might be an expiring deal for all we know. So, I don't necessarily think the Bulls are committed to him long term, and if they're not, then why should I be? So <laughs> I'm in asset building mode, yeah. and I think they need to be thinking about building a core right now around Larry Markkinen. I think Zach Levine and Chris Dunn have definitely showed a lot of glimpses. Less so Zach Levine because he's just returned, but they too can be part of that core. But if you're not convinced that they are, then you really need to get those assets in. And if Miritich can get you a top. 15 to 20 pick this season then I think you'd be foolish not to try to do it what would what would you be looking for in a deal for Justin Holiday obviously as much value as possible but 
what what would be an acceptable return in your eyes like a second rounder early second rounder yeah i was gonna say like a late first like in the sort of 25 to 30 range or, mm. or even an early second i think that's probably the best you can get for someone like justin holiday so if if if, if a team like the spurs or you know now given the Kawhi news like if they need someone mm. on the wing there for support that they come in and, and play decent defense can um shoot the three-point shot that would be something that would entertain if they were willing to offer up the 26th pick as an example maybe the minnesota timberwolves uh, i know that pick is going to the hawks so it's more of a question with the hawks but they're probably not necessarily interested in a guy like holiday but i'm looking at teams in that 25 to 30 range and whether they'd have any interest in taking on a veteran wing that that um that can come in play some solid D and shoot from outside and, and he's shooting above thirty eight percent I think on the season from three or at least he was the other day so well yeah thirty eight point three percent so he has value and his contract's only around four and a half five million dollars so he's not a burden on your uh, on your cap so I would be aiming for a late first but if that means you know it rolls into the early seconds so you know something around that 32 to 35 range then then again I I would be looking at doing that as well because I mean he's not committed to the Bulls long term in terms of contract so I don't necessarily think he's part of their long term plan he's 28 years old and he's obviously not going to be part of the next great Bulls team so similar logic with Miritich I'm looking to deal him for the best available deal and you know if teams are offering a late first or an early second then then I'm listening San Antonio as you mentioned would be a nice landing spot and he would be somewhat young for them yeah I mean he he makes perfect sense from a fit perspective but I, I think the only thing that gives me pause on that is that the Spurs aren't traditionally a team that trade their first round picks. Right. They all, they often hold on to those late first, and you know as Spurs do, find a a, a gem late in the, late in the draft, um, and and then they build them up into to quality players. So that would be the only I guess reservation of you know whether they would want to actually trade for someone like Justin Holiday. Um, you know, and then and teams like like Minnesota, Toronto, and Houston, they owe their first round picks to other teams, teams that are at the bottom that won't necessarily want Justin Holiday. So, yeah, I'd be, I'm not too sure if they'd be interested. Maybe the Cavs, they've got the 24th pick at the moment, but w- you know, would they be interested in a three and D wing? You know, it hasn't really gone that well with a guy like Jay Crowder at the moment, and J.R. Smith isn't having his best season either, so would they be interested in moving their first, not the Brooklyn pick, but their first for someone like oh, they could uh, use for the Justin defense. Holiday? Yeah, they definitely could, but you know, I think someone on like the Wolves who have the twenty tooth the twenty second pick thanks uh thanks to the OKC Thunder, I think that's probably asking too much. I don't think they'd yeah. move the twenty second pick for Justin Holiday, but you know the, the teams at the top of the standings. I don't think they're necessarily going to be interested in moving their first. And if they are, or if, if they would, they owe their first to another team. So it's probably not going to happen, to be honest with you. I I kind of dig him in both San Antonio. I was also looking at the Thunder specifically. Like they they need that guy at the at the two guard spot to open things up instead of Andre Roberson. But the Thunder. Uh, are in a pretty weird spot right now. They're not, they don't know what's going to happen with Paul George. Melo is slightly showing his age. I don't think they're going to give up any future major assets for for a holiday. 
No, I, I agree. So I, th- I think it's probably likely he stays, but mm. I, th- I think I think he should be on the block. Oh yeah, is, is what, what I'm saying. So, yeah. um, and I think the Bulls are, are mimicking that thought. So I think they have him on the block. Whether he moves or not is a different story. But I think they're making the right move by at least entertaining the idea of uh, of, of trading Holiday. So let's talk center for a second because Robin Lopez for the second year in a row starting Bull Center. He's a lot of fans are looking at him as an obvious trade candidate because he's uh I believe he's the oldest player player on the team and he's he's on a friendly deal compared to what he gives and offers. Uh but he's also the type of guy who holds the defense together and if he re- you remove that and replace it with the F- F- uh, Felicio instead like there's a stronger possibility that Chicago's defense implodes and makes them worse for the time being. However, we talked about this prior to to recording here. You mentioned that Lopez has been a part of the 3 and 23 Bulls before they got hot, so you don't necessarily see him as a major cog into the the winning fabric of the team. But moving forward, is he the center that you want to go forward with at least for the next couple of years until you find a suitable replacement? Or do you give it up and, and just go all in on future drafts or free agency to find a more, let's say, compatible center that fits with Laurie Markkinen? So I'm, I'm, I have no issues at all if the Bulls decide to keep Robin Lopez. And, and I say that for two reasons, or a few reasons. First being his contract situation. So he's only got one more year after this year. So it's 14.3 or 14.4 million next season, I believe. So it's not super onerous, and they're not a team, obviously, that's going to be looking to to shore up cap space. So they can afford to eat that contract. And given the value he does provide, I think it's worth keeping someone like Lopez around from a leadership perspective. I think that's very important for a young team. But even the little things that he does, it just helps so much for this team. If I think about Larry Markkinen, I'm not sure if his rookie season is as successful if he doesn't have Robin Lopez next to him. Mm. Lopez is a guy that will set some really solid screens. He's a guy that's going to box out for you. He's going to make all these little plays that make your life as a rookie so much easier that you need to focus on just a few little things that can make you be effective. Lopez will take care of all the dirty work. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about bodying up or setting picks or doing all that sort of stuff. He'll do it for you and you can just concentrate about you know, improving as a shooter or improving your positional defense or whatever it may be. So from that perspective, Robin Lopez adds a lot of value to his teammates. But for the Bulls tanking purposes as well, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and volume score for you or handle the ball or do these sorts of things that the team really needs. So even though he does offer a lot of help for for the younger players, he's not someone that's necessarily going to burden the tank himself by going out there and you know scoring twenty five a game like someone like Nikola Mirotic can. So to me, he is almost the perfect player to have in this rebuild. And if for whatever reason the Bulls were to draft a center. I couldn't think of a better player than Robin Lopez to sort of mentor that guy for at least one more season. And then when, when Lopez is a free agent, maybe you think about keeping him around on a smaller deal as a backup center. So I'm completely in on Robin Lopez. I think mm. he's a great teammate. I think he helps tremendously with our younger players. And, and whilst the Bulls should be thinking about tanking, 
they should also be thinking about development and a player like Robin Lopez is pretty critical for the development of the younger players already on the roster. So it would have to be a somewhat major haul for you to be acceptable to moving Lopez. Or not yeah, major I mean, haul, it... but it, it has to make significant sense. Yeah, look, if you can get a good first rounder, and what I mean by good for Robin Lopez, given his contract and the fact that he plays a position that isn't really of need for most teams, mm. if you can get a pick in sort of the 20 to 25 range, yeah. then maybe I think about it. But um, anything lower than that, like a late first or an early second, then I'm probably not doing that deal because I think that pick probably isn't going to be adding as much value to the Bulls collective than someone like Robin Lopez can for a guy like Larry Markin or even a guy like Chris Dunn. If I think about Chris Dunn, I'm not sure if his life is made easier without Robin Lopez and he's having to play most of his minutes at center with someone like Bobby Portis or Cristiano Felicio who, who aren't the most intuitive or high IQ sort of guys compared to someone like Lopez who's going to set him a really beefy screen to the point where he can get into the lane so much easier. Lopez will clog space, but at the same time, he will provide a really, really solid screen for someone like uh, Chris Dunn who wants to play downhill to enter the paint. So I think something those sorts of things are more important to me than trying to shore up and, and get you know the, the 31st pick in the draft for someone mm. like Lopez. Well, sometimes uh, trade value and on-court... Uh, productivity also doesn't really go hand in hand and I too would argue that Lopez is worth more for the Bulls and likely any other team that has him because he's the same he's the same dude he's the same guy he has the same personality than what his trade value would suggest like he's worth more just having around Um, so yeah I, I, I can see that logic I think it would be weird for the Bulls to give up him for a, a marginal like second rounder like an early second or a late first that's more or less a second anyway it it would have to be something of significance that you could look at as a valuable asset down the road yeah i fully agree and and, and your point around around value on the market versus value to the team that was probably a better way of of summarizing up what i said before so that's exactly right and that's how i feel about lopez and 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 to your earlier point as well he's a guy that was around he was doing the little things he was helping the development of the players the younger players but at the same time he wasn't necessarily impeding the tank so he was part of that or heavy part of that team that was three and 23 at one point so he's shown that he can do the little things and help the younger players perform but at the, still, at the same time, he's not necessarily going to, I guess, impact you or hurt you so much from a win perspective. That's been more, I guess, Nikola Mirotic and even David Nwaba coming on board and really really changing the complexion of that second unit. That's what's really made this Bulls team a lot more competitive and, and it's given them a deeper roster and allowed them to win more games. So uh, I don't think Robin Lopez impedes any of that and I'm fully, I'm fully okay with them keeping him around. So before we move on to talk about Charlotte, because we have to talk about the Kemba Walker situation, I have one final Bulls question for you, and it's about Zach Levine. Yep. Where do you see him in terms of the future here? Like, let's say the Bulls actually succeed in tanking and they get, let's, yeah, you know, the hell with it. Let's say they get Luka Doncic in. Where does that leave Zach? Not just, I mean, is he the guy, regardless of who you get in, 
who is going to make the big shots or take the big shots, is going to be the leading scorer, is he a guy who you can look at and go, oh, he's going to have a 10-year career with the Bulls? He's a guy that I hope that's the case for. Mm. Uh, I'm not convinced that that's the case, but yeah, I mean, if we're using Luka Doncic as an example, I think those two could fit really well together. There, were, there may be some concerns around perimeter defense, but I guess you could have, if you were to build a defense around Chris Dunn and someone at center that can protect the rim, and even Larry Markkinen has shown to be a pretty good positional defender for a rookie, I think you could still build, build a good enough defense. Mm. But yeah, I'm not fully convinced at this point with Zach Levine. I think the defensive issues are always going to be there. He doesn't look like someone who's interested in playing defense. I don't think it's necessarily he has physical limitations that prevent him from playing defense. I think it's more the, the mental side of things that will prevent him from doing so. So you can almost make him a negative on defense. So if that's the case, he's going to be or he's going to need to be a really effective offensive player to, to I guess, grade out in being an effective overall player. And he's, he's proven he can be an efficient player. He's obviously a, a very good shooter, a silky smooth performer, hasn't necessarily proven to be someone that can get to the line often or, or, or can right. create offense for others, which is what the Bulls really need. They need a second ball hander out there with Chris Dunn. So until he proves those things, I think you can't necessarily be 100% locked in on Zach Levine. I think he can still be a super effective player. But that's almost dependent on what his contract will be. And obviously, we're only a few months away from when the Bulls will have to lock up Zach Levine to a new deal, assuming they keep him. And obviously, he's going to be a free agent in 2018. He'll be a restricted free agent. The Bulls are saying all the right things. They want to keep him around. And Zach Levine definitely wants to remain with the Bulls and I guess wants to be the face of this franchise. But... It'll be interesting to see what deal he gets versus the production he does sort of put up. If he gets a deal anywhere in the vicinity of his max, so somewhere around $25 million, I think that's going to be a bit of an issue for the Bulls. I don't mm. think production will meet that value. But if you can get a, if you can get the deal close towards 15 to seven, $17 million over four years, I think I think you can live with that. But yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting case. And it's probably the, it's probably the most interesting storyline going forward for the Bulls for the remainder of the season, at least until the trade deadline passes. So the trade deadline's a talking point at this point, given you know the Miritich sort of thing. But after that, it's going to be completely based on Zach Levine and, and how he looks, how, what player he projects to be coming back from his knee injury. And, and then we can start to talk about contract and mm. what sort of contract he'll be worth. I think you touched on something really interesting in regards to him as a player because, uh, like you... I also feel that he has some severe limitations defensively. He's not the best playmaker. And I was always looking at him as he kind of has to go a little bit James Harden on it for it to make sense because right now he's a downright horrid defender. I think that's fair to say. To the mm -hmm. point where he has to not just outscore his opponent, he has to outscore his opponent by a significant margin. He has to be like a major centerpiece of the offense. He has to average like 25 points, seven assists, like completely outproduce his counterpart offensively. So he wins the matchup every night just based off offensive production. The thing is for him to do that, he would need to be a better passer, a playmaker. He would be, a, he would have to be better at initiating the offense. And so far, uh, at least from his stint with the Wolves. It's unfair to judge him in, in a Bulls uniform so far because he's played 59 minutes. But 
he hasn't he doesn't seem to be the type of guy who like Harden is someone who's you know who's got a knack for initiating everything and finding open guys and and doing all these things just breaks breaks down a defense. Yeah, so I think I think that's fair, and, and I don't think he'll ever be a twenty-five and seven type player. But like you say, he might need to get to somewhere near that level to justify the lack in defense that he does have. And and, and of course, if he pr- improves on defense, then maybe obviously that changes the scenario. But if if he's going to be someone that's purely an offensive player, then he needs to be someone that I guess can can really uh, expand his offensive game to the point where he's not just thinking about his own offense, but he's creating for others. So at the moment, he hasn't necessarily shown a lot of signs that of that. Um, I will say, though, in, in his Bulls uh, debut, and, or I guess his first three games, he has looked really good in terms of attacking the rim and, mm. and creating, I guess, out of pick and roll, making nice passes to, I guess, the rolling big man right into their pocket. And and, and that's been pleasing, I guess. So it's it's encouraging to see already that, he has shown some small modicum of signs that he could improve in those areas, right. but they are they are areas that are tough to improve in, and they do take time. So, at the moment, I'm sort of more thinking of Zach Levine as a, a Demar Derozan type player, where he's going to be, and I'm not necessarily speaking about current Derozan because I think you know Derozan of 2017, 2018 has definitely improved in mm. in his shooting and his passing, where. Where you know, from a passing perspective, that's something Levine needs to do. But I'm thinking more DeRozan from two years ago, where he was mostly just a scorer, right? And it wasn't necessarily a creator for others, but still provided value. But um, obviously, his his net effect wasn't great. So that's where I'm currently trending with someone like Zach Levine, in the sense that he can get you, you know, 23 points, can um, make highlight plays. He's going to be a really good and efficient scorer. Beyond that, can he do much else? So that's the question for him. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & and more and now let's move on to the charlotte hornets and kemba walker uh adrian wojnarowski came out today and said that they the hornets are open to moving kemba and it's an interesting debate because the hornets are in a very similar situation as the bulls were it's a pretty good segue in in regards to jimmy butler jimmy was on a good still is on a very good contract in his prime, producing wildly, honestly, and Kemba at this likewise, just offensively, he's not as strong defensively as Jimmy, but he's a difference maker. And now you're looking at it as should 
we trade our guy who's in the smack dab middle of his prime and what's the return and you and I talked a little bit before we started recording about this as well and we were kind of wondering why the Hornets wanted to attach a bad deal to him as reported by Vosch, Um because that's going to diminish the return that they're going to get so are you and I in agreement that they should move Kemba on his own merit and not attach a large contract to him? Yeah, definitely. Because, like you said, he's he's clearly their best player, and and he's he's definitely their best contract as well. So, if you look at their cap sheet, I think he's six in terms of where he actually sits on their payroll, despite being their best player. So, which is which is just crazy. So he makes twelve million a year, mm. and he's their best player. So that's a value contract, and he and he's got one more year after this year, I believe, and and that's fully guaranteed to to my knowledge. So. He's extremely valuable on the deal he has. He's he will be 28 soon, so he's right in his prime, and he's one of those underrated all-star type of players. So Kemba alone has a lot of value, and he should be able to net you a good return. But the minute you start thinking about adding a bad contract with him, whether that's someone like Marvin Williams or, or Nicholas Batum, then you really start to negate the value of your best asset in that deal, which is Kemba Walker. So. I kind of understand why the the Hornets would be thinking like that because they they do have a payroll that is extremely excessive. They're paying like Dwight Howard and, and Nicholas Batum upwards of twenty million each. That's just crazy, I guess. Mm. Marvin Williams and, and MKG they're 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 earning around thirteen or fourteen million dollars next season. So they they've committed a lot of money to okay players but not players that are necessarily going to I guess lead your team and and that's obviously put them in this predicament now where they're looking to deal Walker because they're not necessarily a team that's going to I guess be figuring in the playoffs we were talking about the Bulls before but the the Hornets are only pretty much they've only got one more win than a team like the Bulls so uh, by trading someone like Walker the Hornets could really enter into that tank race and obviously that's something the Bulls will need to be considering. But thinking about the Hornets, I understand what they're trying to do by moving someone like Batum with Walker. But at the same time, that's really going to reduce the value that you receive back. So mm. I want to see how this plays out because Kemba Walker is a super, uh, a super underrated player. And I think on his, his deal alone, he's a really valuable player. But where where the value lies when you start adding Batum or Marvin Williams, I think that's where it gets really interesting. So let's talk about value for a second. Assuming that Walker is traded on his own merit and is not attached with a bad contract, what type of return could you get if you traded him, solely him? I would think you'd be hopeful of landing a first-round pick and maybe one other decent-ish young prospect mm. and maybe a contract that would match some salaries. I think that would be fairish, given that Walker, he is an undersized point guard and he only has one more year remaining on his deal. I don't think you're necessarily going to get a haul for him. Um, if you think about the Jimmy Butler deal, Jimmy is obviously a superior player to Kemba Walker was, but, but Butler got you a first-round pick um, that was turned into Larry Markkinen. He came with Zach Levine and also Chris Dunn. So if you think about that framework and you replace, um, I guess, someone like Zach Levine with a, a lesser contract, you still get a pick and a younger prospect in that deal. I think that was that would be something that would make sense and would be at least fair for both sides for someone like Kemba Walker now. 
what that deal equals, I'm not sure. Obviously, that's dependent on what other teams are willing to give up. But it's obviously also dependent on whether the, the Hornets are willing to include guys like Batum. Because if you start to include that player with Walker, then the other team needs to send back some salary to make that work. And if they're going to do that, then they're going to be a little, uh, uh, more reluctant to include maybe a first-round pick or a younger prospect mm. to make that deal work. So... Yeah, I'm with you. I think they need to be looking at dealing Walker individually and then thinking about how they can move on from someone like Batum or even Marvin Williams in a side deal. That way to, uh, I guess, release that cap pressure that they do have. Right, because, I mean, we agree that trading Walker is just a hit on the reset button. So salaries... Definitely. ...does not really matter. Like, obviously it matters that you have to pay a lot of money to what will ultimately be a crap team. <laughs> but even so, you have to make the return of Kemba Walker like your number one priority, and then you have to to just live with the bad deals. Like Cody Seller is not getting traded for anything. That's I mean, it's not he's not going to be traded for an expiring contract. No one's going to take that. I mean, that contract off the books and go. You know what? We're going to give you an expiring for him. I it, like you would have to attach something to it. Obviously, same goes with with Nick Batum. I think Dwight is somewhat movable because he only has one year left uh, after this season. And, like, hell, <laughs> the Bulls, if they end up moving Robin Lopez, uh, they could need a center next year. And if they have a lot of cap space and maybe they, the Hornets were willing to throw in the second rounder, something like that, hey, who knows? Yeah, maybe. Like, uh, I guess, like, with Dwight, though, like, I'm, I'm just... How many times is this guy going to get traded before like teams start st- or stop thinking about maybe necessarily trading for him? And and, and to Dwight's credit, he, ha- he has been okay this season. He hasn't been bad. He's he's mm. done his job. I don't, I don't, I'm talking purely from on court production. Who knows how he's like in the locker room? But he, Dwight's actually had a pretty good season, so he can give you some value, I guess. Maybe a team like Washington may be interested in in Dwight. I, I don't know if 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 uh, you know they were to send back uh, Mahimi or something like that. <laughs> Who knows? I just randomly plucked that one out there. But yeah, I don't think it's the worst thing if they keep Dwight around because he is that expiring deal right. after next season. But Batum really is the bad one. So he's got three more years after this after this season, upwards of twenty four million from twenty eighteen nineteen. So. He's the one that's really, I guess, going to cripple their cap space. Well, not their cap space, but just their general cap in terms of guaranteed money for the next three seasons, whereas guys like Dwight will expire after 2018-19. Even someone like Marvin Williams only has two years left. MKG has two years left. So you can almost live with those guys, whereas Cody Zeller and and Nick Batum... um, they're productive players that can give you something, but they're, they're not going to be meeting, I don't think, the in terms of the production versus value, I don't think they're going to be passing that standard. I would agree. I, I do have a thought about Nick Batum, though. Given that the salary cap, or sorry, that cap space is somewhat limited this year, I wouldn't be surprised if a team who's looking to upgrade and who only had you know trading opportunities left we're willing to to take a bet on him. Not they're not, probably not going to give up an expiring contract, but maybe it, a, you know, a contract that's a year, maybe two shorter, if Batum represents a significant upgrade for the position. And then, like the Hornets would probably say, okay, you know what, we're going to downgrade 
because it doesn't matter anyway. We're, re- we're rebuilding, so the worse we get, the, the better. And if we get uh, a contract in that's equally equal in size, but a year or two shorter, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's something we win. And that's the team in question, whoever that is, that could actually be the Wizards. I'm, Jan Mahimi. Like, that's actually a pretty good... You mentioned him right before. Like, that would be a an upgrade for them, and it would be more money on their cap for the future. Sure. But how else are they going to upgrade? I think there are teams that are stuck in that mindset going, we don't know what to do. We can't upgrade because we don't have cap space. But if you're willing to take on future money when you're already capped out, I mean, that should represent an opportunity. Yeah, I think that's fair. I have no idea if this would be, you know, if these teams would be interested in it, but it would be funny to see Batum go back to Portland and Portland to send back, I don't know, a combination of Evan Turner, Myers Leonard and um, Mo Harkless who have mm. less years on their deals. Yeah. They've got one on one less year, but um, I'm not, I don't know if Portland is necessarily interested in keeping their guaranteed contracts at a point where it is at the moment, which is extremely high. And, you know, I have no idea if they'd be interested in, in paying between the last three years of his, of his current deal, but he obviously worked in, in Portland uh, as a shooter next to next to Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum at, at the three. That's something they desperately need on the yeah. wing. And Batum had really good years in Portland. So I'll, I'd be interested to see if, if, if they would inter- uh, be entertained in sort of dealing some of their bad contracts for Batum, who is also a bad contract. So, yeah, I mean... Th- that's probably the, the route they need to go because you're not going to be able to move him at $24 million next season for someone that's going to necessarily give you a lot of value back. Right, right. I But it's interesting, though, because in today's league, we're always talking about players who are untradeable, but if they have a certain amount of talent, I don't think they ever you know, are. I, I don't think the contract necessarily makes them untradeable. I mean, we, we said the same thing about Dwight in Atlanta, and after one year, with two years left on his contract, boom, he was traded. So I think there are teams out there who are looking at upgrades and are, are, could be identifying. Maybe not Nick Batum from Marvin Williams. I mean, look, he's he's not a bad player. He's on a bad contract, yeah, but he's not a bad player. And I think that goes to show that they that those guys are movable. It's just going to take some time. Um, either way, though, I mean, I think we can agree. Charlotte right now is getting ready to just push the big old reset button they're probably going to be players this in in the draft this year next year i mean this would probably project as a five-year project like we projected the bulls but unlike the bulls who apparently had the right pieces right there in terms of the youth doesn't seem like the hornets do they have malik monk waiting in the wings but who else like Dwayne bacon it's not a whole lot they have going for him yeah, and I was just going to raise this point, but you sort of just, just literally put it up there. And I wonder how much the situation looks or how differently it looks if they had nailed their picks. So someone like Malik Monk, who I guess at the time made sense where they drafted him. I wonder how differently that sort of looks if they had taken Donovan Mitchell. Or you oh, yeah. know, even thinking back to the, the deal where they, oh, sorry, the, the draft where they took Frank Kaminsky. Like, Frank's an okay player. He's not a good NBA player. He can do some things okay, but he's not necessarily a player that you're, you're happy to have on your roster, I guess. Yeah. How, how differently does that situation look if instead of Frank Kaminsky, they, they found a player there 
who actually could contribute and could make Miles sense on this roster. Yeah, Miles Turner. David like, Booker, yeah. If they had made those moves around the periphery and they did those well, so then maybe you can sort of live with someone like Nicholas Batum, you know, playing okay, but not necessarily living up to a $24 million deal. Or even MKG, like he's, he was obviously the second the second pick in that draft. Mm. And, and that was unfortunate for them because they, they missed out on Davis, I believed, in that draft. Yeah, 2012. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's just bad luck. But at the same time, if, if, if things had gone a little bit differently with MKG... Just him and just thinking about him and his development. But even if they, you know, had taken someone else, this whole situation looks completely different. So it's it's unfortunate that they haven't been able to necessarily land the uh, or make a, uh, a success with of those draft picks that they have had, and they've obviously compounded the issue by bringing in players that made sense at a time, but sort of re-upping those guys and signing signing them to a deal that was always going to be approved to prove to be a, a bit of an issue on the back end. So that's the situation they find themselves in now. And unfortunately, it means hitting the reset button and that means dealing your best player, which is Campbell Walker. And that's where the parallels to the Bulls lie, And like you said before. And it, it will be very fascinating to see what they can get for Walker and, and what they choose to do with Walker and guys like Batum. I find it kind of amusing that we're actually sitting here telling a team hey go look at the, what the Bulls did and do the same it's it's been a couple of years <laughs> since we said that the last time yeah well I mean the Bulls for whatever reason have made out pretty good from that Jimmy Butler deal at the time I was pretty disappointed with it but um, it looks to be uh, the, the deal itself looks to be a whole lot better than what it proved to be I guess six months ago but I think if they use that Butler deal as a proxy or, or the logic behind that and, and, and sort of understand that they're caught in the middle here. They're, they're not necessarily good enough to be in the top five for a, a really good tank or, uh, tank position. They're obviously nowhere near the playoffs at the moment. They're, they're caught in no man's land at the moment, so they need to make a move. And the logical move at the moment, unfortunately, is trading your best player, which is Campbell Walker. And that's just due to, to some bad decisions that have that have come in trying to surround Walker, those that didn't work. And because they haven't worked, you've put yourself in this position and, and you need to, I guess, get yourself out of it. And that involves trading your best player. Oh, it's all about hitting them draft picks, baby. Yep. Yeah. Very important. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & and more welcome to total wine and more it's much more than a wine store it's the eighth wonder of the world when people talk about total wine and more they get a little carried away we're just a big friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer see we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere and friendly helpful experts at every turn you know what maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. So the final here, thing here, and you could just get free reign. The trade deadline is coming up hastily, and I'm curious as to what you think, like league-wide. Are there any deals that are just 
in your mind, completely obvious that should happen? Well, like a team like the Clippers are so fascinating. Like they should really be tanking. Like and and they were trending that way for a while there. They were in I think like the top ten at some point in, in the tankathon standings. But then all of a sudden they go on this ridiculous winning streak. Not winning streak, but they start winning a ton of games, and they're all of a sudden back into playoff position. They're twenty three and twenty one, and you know now they've they've won six in a six in a row as at the time we're recording this, and can I guess push towards the playoffs here. They've sort of gone or they're equal with uh, the Pelicans um, in terms of record at twenty three and twenty one, and. Now you start thinking about, instead of trading DeAndre Jordan and maybe even a guy like Lou Williams, do you think about keeping them? Or do you think of even being a buyer at the trade deadline trying to to make that playoff push a little bit more realistic, I guess? So I, I think the Clippers are going to be super interesting because if they go for it this season, you know, what implications does that have for their long-term future? Mm. Um, you know, I think if they could have got a, a nice pick this season and sort of hit the reset button to uh, to a degree around Blake, then that could have been something. And it would have been fun for the league to see someone like DeAndre Jordan move to the Cavs or the Bucks or something like that. And, and maybe Lou Williams sent to a team to be like a hired gun off the bench and for a playoff team. That would have been interesting. But I guess that's sort of changed now that the Clippers are, are looking at, I guess, making a playoff push on their own. And uh, look, a team like Utah, what what do they do? Are they content in being a team that's sort of not good enough to tank, but not necessarily good enough to 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 make the playoffs? So yeah. I, I really want to see what they're going to do with with Derek Favors and and, and even someone uh, like Dante Exum. Do they keep him around? Like, uh, have they reached the point with Exum where they 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 keep him around and they they you know unfortunately he's been. Uh, crueled with injuries, so it's not necessarily a production standpoint from being a, a bad player. It's more more injuries, but you know, do they keep him around, or do they do they attach him to a Derek Favors deal to get the, a deal over the line? So there's a few teams at the moment that are sort of caught in that middle range that I don't necessarily know what they're going to do. Like like the Pelicans as well. What are they doing with Demarcus Cousins? Like, are they dead set keen on signing him to a, a five year deal on a max deal? Do they want this Davis and, and Cousins pairing to, to to last for the next four seasons? Is that something they're willing to entertain? And if they do that, how can they make moves around the periphery to sort of make that that roster successful? So, yeah, it's 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 really it's going to be an interesting deadline. But I think I think the Clippers improving has sort of made it less fun for me, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah no because yeah they, they could have had a fire sale and that's always a lot more entertaining yeah for us for us on you yeah know, that don't necessarily have a a standpoint in the or don't have a, a rooting interest in the clippers we just want to see trades happen for the sake of it for our own entertainment like that would have been fun and and the team that someone like jordan was going to go to like the competitors out east like like i mentioned the box that would be an interesting combination. Mm. Obviously, they need to make. They're a team that is underperforming now. They're right around five hundred. Yeah. They shouldn't be, but they should be buyers. And you know, maybe DeAndre Jordan isn't the answer. Maybe it's someone like Dwayne Dedman. But you know, what are the Bucks going to be doing? They they shouldn't be twenty three and twenty one with that roster. They obviously bought Bledsoe earlier in the season. They should be somewhere around the I guess the twenty eight to twenty nine win mark at this point. Not. Not anywhere near twenty three wins get based on their roster. So, 
Oh, and, and the Cavs, like, what, what are the Cavs going to do? Like, they're stuck in this malaise at the moment. They're, you know, their defense is absolutely terrible. They've got way too many offensive first, no defense type players. And, and you're hearing these rumblings about, you know, how how LeBron is saying it's been the most challenging seasons he's had with Cleveland. And, you know, there's been players, I think it was reported that, uh, I don't know how substantiated this report was, that LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Kevin Love were going to, to media and, you know, calling out players about their defense. It's, it's, it, like, they're obviously a team that needs to make a move as well, and they've got that Brooklyn pick, which, which is completely, you know, is their main asset, and, yeah. and, you know, we were hopeful of maybe Paul George going there. So all these storylines that were that were in play have sort of died down a little bit and have made this deadline a little bit, well, not less entertaining. Well, yeah, probably less entertaining is the best way to say it, I guess. <laughs> Unfortunately for us. I find great joy in hearing Dwayne Wade complain about people not playing defense. Yeah. Well, even LeBron, like, I, I, get, I know LeBron yeah. adds so much value on offense that you could sort of live with it, but, like, Kevin Love and Dwayne Wade complaining about, like, someone like Isaiah Thomas's defense, like, Kettle, <laughs> Kettle, you know, yeah. Kettle meet, what's, what's the say of the expression? Uh, yeah, uh... Kettle calling the, kettle the, the pot. I can't, I can't get this right. Kettle, yeah, no. Kettle calling the pot black or pot kettle. Yeah, the kettle I black. Something of the word. Like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I couldn't hey, think of the word pot for some reason. I mean, hey, I, I'm not sure. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one because I'm I'm not sure. Uh, but I heard yeah, something more interesting from your from your end a couple of minutes ago. Are you ready to give up on Dante Exum? No, I'm not ready to give up on him as an, as a prospect, but I wonder if someone like the Jazz is ready to move on from him now that they've got mm. uh, Donovan Mitchell. Like, they don't have a oh, okay. ton of pieces that they can attach, but, like, if you want to get rid of someone like Favors, like, Favors is a good player, but by himself, I don't think he's going to get you much in return, but maybe if you add someone like Exum, whose value probably is pretty low at the moment, but I guess you could talk yourself into him being someone that can still develop into a, a decent player. Right. He's obviously still young. He, he can play... He's probably not a point guard at this point, but he can at least play the two. He, he's definitely switchable. He can play multiple positions. and You can talk yourself into him still having value as a player mm. in terms of being a development piece. And He's missed a lot of time, but at the same time, he is someone that is still young, so he's only like 23 years old or something like that. So he's not old. You're going to have to deal with his contract situation very soon, but at the same time, maybe you attach him because you're comfortable with with Donovan Mitchell. I don't know. Right. It's something I threw out there because, unfortunately, he hasn't worked thus far with the Jazz and, and they've they've lucked into Donovan Mitchell. So maybe maybe they think about moving on from him to you know including him in a in a favors deal to get something back a little bit more fruitful. I was just. Curious but I mean, because that, that's I, my perspective. I mean, what about you, though? Like, what what about you thinking about the, the deadline? What, what do you see happening, if anything? I'm looking at Detroit because they yeah. started pretty hot, then they kind of cooled off a little bit, and right now, as you mentioned previously, like they're in the lottery, um, 14, so they're right on the cusp, and I, they just they kept themselves out. And you can thank Lang- the Gang- Langston Galloway contract for that, which was just ridiculous. John Lures out for the year. So, I mean, it just does not seem that things are, are going their way. And I, I have to think that they are considering 
breaking a, a, some of the young guys up a little bit and trying to get some more established guys in there. Probably Stanley Johnson on his way out for a more established player. Who knows if that deal presents itself. But it would be a shame to see Andre Drummond's season being cut short after he's made so dramatic improvements. And the same goes to, sh- to say with you know Tobias Harris, who's been who's been awesome. Honestly, uh, I really hope that they take a page out of Milwaukee's book. Let's hope that Milwaukee does take uh, your advice serious in in the fact that they should be buyers because Detroit needs to do something. So my eyes are pretty fixated on on those guys, and also Denver. Interestingly, I think they could be a player for Kemba Walker. Yeah, I think Kemba Walker makes a lot of sense for a team like Denver. And obviously they were interested in, in Kyrie in the offseason. And, you know, maybe maybe they're, they're less interested now that Gary Harrison and, and um, what's their shooting Jamal Murray. Who's Jamal Murray. Those two, that that combination, maybe you want to explore that a little bit more. And, and I don't know necessarily how that, how they feel about Moutier, but yeah, he makes sense in Denver. But whilst we're recording this, uh, Shams is sort of reporting that the Cavs are interested in in, in, um, in George, George Hill. Hill so yeah. maybe that's a deadline deal that sort of happens so that makes a lot of sense for the Cavs and, and he would be a perfect fit next to LeBron but he would also be a good fit in Denver so he was obviously a guy that, that um, was talked about in, as to as to going to Denver at some point so yeah it's, it's there still will be an interesting deadline it always is regardless of if moves are happening we always we're suckers for for rumors whether that whether that actual deal <laughs> happens or not we we love the uh the trade deadline yeah. but um you, you mentioned the pistons but another team that i'm just sort of thought of as well is is the lando magic yeah now, at the moment they're pretty much the worst team in the nba they're scheduled to have the number one pick after starting the season i think eight and two at one point which is completely ridiculous in itself but They've got a lot of pieces that I think you can move as well. So Alfred Payton, uh, I guess, like, what are they doing with him? I, I still like Payton as a prospect. I still think he can be a good player in the right system, but is he right for Orlando? I'm not necessarily convinced on that. Evan Fournier, he, they obviously signed him to an extension. He's a good player, but probably not worth his contract. But at the same time, he could, he could, he could help a playoff team coming in there and scoring and shooting from deep. And, and even Aaron Gordon, like, are they convinced on keeping him? Probably they are, but I think, yeah. it's a new management yeah. group, so <laughs> you never know. But, like, they've got a few pieces there that, you know, well, what are they going to do? Or even, like, Hazonia, who's, like, a bench piece, but what are the Magic going to do? There's a lot of these, There's a lot of these teams out there that have players that don't necessarily fit where they're currently positioned, although that team is currently mm. positioned, and... It makes sense for them to to move on from those players, but finding that deal, I guess, is the hard part. I just want Brooklyn to trade for Mario Hisonia. Yeah, I mean they've they've done things with Joe Harris, and Joe Harris was a second round mm-hmm. pick who was from the Cavs, cast aside from the Cavs, and he's come in and at least been a, a valuable role player for them. So, I, yeah, Kenny Atkinson just does things with with young players where he can turn them, can turn young players that looked. Pretty, pretty hopeless, I guess, or aimless, and it can turn them into to, into something. And, and Spencer Dinwiddie is obviously probably the prime example of that right now. So, mm. yeah, Hazonia in Brooklyn that would be a good low buy for them, I guess. Yeah, and that's that's what they've been doing like ever since Sean Marks took yeah. over. I mean, I I'm really impressed with what they've Jaleel. done there. 
Jalil, I mean, exactly. I, I really look forward to seeing like the second half of the season with him, like getting more minutes. Overall, I think Brooklyn is also one of those under-the-radar teams that we don't talk about enough, especially as a trade candidate, because they can pull something out of their ass and they could actually look pretty good. Um, it, it just seems to me that they're, they're just kind of biding their time. They're, they're like a gator in the water just waiting. And then when an opportunity presents itself, where they can sweep in and buy low, they do it. And if things don't work out, then okay, who cares? Because, like, we have so many young guys anyway. It and it was a low gamble, and to the point where it might not even be able to be described as a gamble in the first place. So, I I could see them making some noise. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, so, Mark, before we go, I, I have to ask you this question. Given this question, given that you're Australian. Ben Simmons or Donovan Mitchell for Rookie of the Year? <laughs> I know who you're going to pick. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You know me, but I mean, you got to admit it's it's becoming a more and more interesting conversation. Yeah, certainly, it definitely has. I I didn't think it was going to. Uh, you know, probably in December, I thought it was pretty much wrapped up, a done deal. It was yeah. Simmons's to lose, I guess. Oh and, yeah. And to that point, he wasn't going to lose it, but. His play has regressed slightly, and and uh, Donovan Mitchell has been out of this world. So, uh, look, I would still at this point expect Simmons to win it, mm. particularly if he does make the All Star team, or if the Sixers do happen to to land a playoff spot. A lot of that will be obviously uh, on, on Embiid's shoulders, but at the same time, obviously Simmons has been super important to that as well. So, yeah. I think Simmons is still probably in the box seat at the moment, even though his play has regressed slightly. Um, but at the same time, like I just wonder about someone like Donovan Mitchell, even though he is playing like ridiculously well. I, I do wonder if like being on the Jazz has any negative impact on his Rookie of the Year campaign, like put him on the Lakers or something like that in Lonzo's place. Lonzo Ball still is getting way more publicity than someone like Donovan <laughs> Mitchell is, despite Mitchell looking like the younger version of Dwayne Wade at this point, with Dwayne Wade with a jumper of sorts. Yeah. Like, I wonder how, how differently Donovan Mitchell's rookie campaign or, or, his, or his campaign for Rookie of the Year, I should say, how differently that looks if he's in a different market apart from Utah. So, I mean, if Donovan Mitchell was in Philadelphia with Joel, Joel Embiid, how differently does that look sort of thing? So, at Agreed. this point, I would say Simmons, but um, I'm tipping you I'm going to say Mitchell. Yeah, but, I mean, look, I, at this point, I'm hoping Mitchell, but I, I got to agree with you. Right now, still, it's probably Ben Simmons, mostly because of his defense. I, I haven't been especially impressed with this offense yet, but his defense, my God, I mean... It took him one year on the bench to observe and learn, and then he just came in flying. I mean, obviously, he's, what, 21 years old. He's, he still has some issues here and there. He forgets some rotations. But it's like it's minor stuff. Like, this guy is yeah. is really able to cover a lot of ground. He picks up steals like it's nothing. He blocks shots, which is something I didn't expect for him initially because he wasn't the greatest shot blocker at LSU. So, yeah, I mean, defensively, that's that's where I'm putting my money on Simmons. And I get that people are pointing to the eight rebounds and the seven assists. And, yeah, obviously that's Draymond-esque and impressive as hell, but it's the defense that does it for me. And uh, I think Donovan Mitchell, his defense has also been pretty damn good. But 
given that he plays at the shooting guard position and he isn't as switchable as Ben Simmons is, I'm probably giving the nod to Ben right now. But, I mean, if he keeps having these so-so months, uh, then I can't. Like, if this, if he keeps declining, until, you know, until February, oh, sorry, April when the season wraps and Donovan is on the, the upwards like he is right now, I, I gotta go. I gotta go, Mitchell. But I agree with you right now. Ben Ben is leading, but it's so goddamn close. It's definitely closer than what we thought it was going to be. Like people were oh, talking yeah. about it being wrapped up a month ago or six weeks ago, whereas that's not the case anymore. And if if Simmons continues to trend down and Mitchell continues to play play this well, and and if, if the Jazz can sort of start winning a little bit more games after Rudy Gobert yeah. comes back and is fully healthy and those sorts of things, and then again, maybe that changes the conversation more and slants it more into into Donovan Mitchell's uh, favor. But I think the narrative at the moment is still with, oh, with yeah. Ben Simmons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, let's just <laughs> I agree that whoever wins, it's deserved. Like the, these definitely, two are two definitely. great rookie campaigns. And it's just, it's awesome for the league. And also in its totality, I've been so pleased with the rookie crop of this year as well. Like after last year's very, very weak field, I mean, Malcolm Brockton for crying out loud. um, It's just been so refreshing to get a wide field of rookies in that seems to be, you know, hitting the ground running and... You have a couple guys waiting in the wings who are not going to play a whole lot this year, like Malik Monk. Harry Giles has been shut down by the Kings, but supposedly is healthy and is just getting his his legs back and routine back and conditioning back, so he could be a thing coming in next year. It's uh, it's a good time to be an NBA fan, Mark. Definitely, and I mean, we started this conversation talking about Larry Markin and all, all the Bulls, and, and if you think about Larry Markin, and like in a lot of other seasons, he's probably the Rookie of the Year. Like that's how deep this rookie yeah. uh, rookie campaign, or sorry, rookie season, or the draft itself. How deep the draft has been. Like even Jason Tatum, like he's been awesome, and yeah, he he's has. probably a rookie of the year in a lot of other seasons. But unfortunately, you know Ben Simmons is around, and even Donovan Mitchell has, has come out of nowhere and become a really really impressive young player. And there's just so many good players in this in this draft, and, and not even guys that have star potential, but uh, I guess guys that that have, um, you know, even good role-playing potential. So, like, Luke mm. Kennard in Detroit, I've liked what I've seen from him. Um, he's oh, been yeah. good, and, like, he, he looks like a good pick for the for the Pistons. And there's just players like that that have, that have come around that have been better than I expected. Even someone like TJ Leaf in, in Indiana, I thought, yep. like, what the hell are you doing, Pacers? But he's been, he's been okay. Like, even the guys mm. that I thought were going to be bad haven't necessarily been bad and, and like OG Ananubi he's a, he's a contributor right now for a really really good Eastern Conference team so there's just so many players that are performing and there's not there hasn't been really any letdowns at this point which is crazy to think about so yeah, it's been a really fun rookie class and, and we re- we needed it after last season I think and then try to imagine that this 2018 draft class supposedly has a lot of franchise-altering guys in the top five. Yes. Oh, I'm just going to repeat yes. myself. It's a good time to be an NBA fan, Mark. It is, and hopefully it's a good time to be a Bulls fan if they uh, get the tank right. But uh, we shall see. We shall see. 
Then on, okay, on that note, if they do win the lottery, is it Doncic for you? Yep. Yeah. Is it, it is. even close? Um, I mean, DeAndre Ayton as, a, as an athlete is very tantalizing. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. like what I'm hearing from him or have heard about from him, about wanting to be a face-up perimeter-type player. Um, I mean, you're this, you're this huge man-child of a beast get in there and just destroy souls in the paint and just kill people in there and play some defense. If you know, protect the rim, if he can do that, then he probably goes past Doncic on on my list. But at the moment we haven't seen any signs of those, of those sort of traits coming out from someone like DeAndre Ayton. I don't really have any interest in Marvin Bagley. So for me, it's Luka Doncic. And and if it's not him, then, you know, I guess Aiden. it's Aiden after that, but I'm probably more interested in someone like Jaron Jackson Jr. than someone like Michael Porter or uh, Marvin Bagley, but but that's just mm. my own take. No, I'm right there with you. I mean, for me, it's the top two are the clearest. It's Dantic 1 and Aiden 2, and I, I don't think it's, yep. it's anywhere close. And then after that, after two, it's it becomes muddy. Like, you know, anyone dress currently in a mock draft slotted at th- at three up to like seven or maybe even eight they could just be jumbled together and it would just be a random selection like the only two locks that i have at this point are dantage and aiden at one and two so yeah. yeah aiden would be interesting with the bulls as well like if they get two that would be I a mean, lot of offensive firepower the player that i want aiden to be like if he was to be right. on chicago <laughs> It would be ridiculous. Yeah. But having no, said I that, that, I mean, could you imagine like DeAndre Ayton next to Aaron Gordon? Like that front court would be ridiculous. Oh my God. It would just be yeah. constant alley-oops. Like there's no way you could stop that offensively. And both could shoot from three. Yeah. That that would be sick. But um, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, this draft is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Oh, we're we're gonna have to shoot another draft uh, pod over at Bulls HQ, huh? I think we might have to because I'm, yeah. I'm I'm sure I'll be spending a lot of time on Bulls HQ talking about the draft because that's probably the most impactful thing that'll happen right. for the Bulls this calendar year. I would I would tip, unless of course the Bulls at this trade deadline goes out and and acquires a veteran because they want to make the playoffs. In which case, I'm pretty sure you're, that's not going to be the topic of conversation that you're going to be. Printing. No, I didn't want to end the podcast on. You know, I didn't want to come on your show here and and end your your podcast on such a negative note. But you've gone and done it now, I guess. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah. Well, I, I had to because I mean, you wouldn't even admit to people that I made your your Twitter handle. So I I, I have to leave you with a little bit of shame. Well, I mean, you can you can you can suggest that, but. <laughs> I have proof. I have proof. <laughs> yeah, well, oh. you know, prove it, I guess. Yeah, I will. Actually, don't. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, it was nice having you on. You're as as usual. You're always welcome. And uh, that's it for this episode of the NBA podcast. Uh, check out FanRack at FanRack Sports. And um, uh, until next time. I'm not Brian Topork, I'm Martin Jensen, and next time I'm pretty sure that Brian will will return about 20 pounds heavier from all the meat he's had in Argentina because he's a lucky bastard. Mark, take care, man.
Thanks for watching. Cheers. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine. And more. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back to school styles for kids and baby. Get flip flops for two bucks, graphic tees for four bucks, shorts for six dollars, and jeans for eight dollars. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid size prices just two, four, six, and eight dollars. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.